Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Happy Friday, and thanks for joining us for another week of Take Two. Yet again, not another boring week. There's a lot to talk about. I've actually been off for an entire five days, so I may not be as educated as the two sitting next to me. But thank you for being here. Jay McFarland filling in for Greg Hughes today, former radio host. You probably heard him on the afternoon talk on KSL. You were recently on radio talking right. and running for Congress. That's right. And we have Mara Carabello here, as always. Thanks so much for being here Absolutely. from the Soro Group. Well, we have to start with a tough topic. This is not an easy one, but it really has been dominating the conversation, and for good reason. We have had two mass shootings in a row, two in 13 hours, and when the first one happened, it was right before I went on vacation, I remember posting and saying, I'm sad that I'm not shocked by this, and it still hurt, it was still awful, but becoming less shocking, and then within 13 hours, we had a second. 31 people have died, we have many more in critical condition, many lives changed, we continue to have the fights about hopes and prayers aren't enough. We need change, we need legislation, and the fight goes on every time this happens. So we want to talk about some of the issues and how we really can make change. I think there's room for prayers, I think there's room for hope, and there's room for legislation and getting things done. Mara, you've had some time to t think about this, roll it over in your head. Is there anything that we can really do legislative-wise, whether it's here in Utah or on a national level to make real substantive change or are we just stuck? You know, we're stuck um, and they were stuck in the political conversation, but let's move that out and see if maybe we can unstick yeah. some things. One is, I think, you know, we'll recognize that this is hard. And, and one thing that might be impossible is we also have to stop uh, headline vilifying the different sides. Yeah. Uh, but for me, really the hard topic we have to address is the gun culture in the United States. Because uh, for me, it's the defining variable. We need to talk about a lot of other variables. But for me, the defining variable is the culture. And, and one of the long views that I think we lose sight of mm -hmm. is our, our relationship with guns. And what do they mean to us? And, and how sacrosanct are they or how not? And what does the Second Amendment mean? And, and I say as, a, as, as a nod to a strong special interest group, yeah. the NRA. And I think when people have a point of view, they should exercise their point of view. But I will say, if you take the long view of the United States, for 200 plus years, we did not define the Second Amendment as the individual. We, so the, the preponderance of our history, we didn't define it that way. Early 2000s, there was a, a Texas court that redefined it. And then in 2008, the, the United States Supreme Court defined guns as the individual. So I want to be clear, the law of the land is that the individual um, has the right to carry. But we have now moved gun carrying to this, there's no discussion of regulation of this, of this device. There's no discussion of prohibiting it because we've moved it to this sacrosanct territory. And while I say there's lots of room for different opinions in that, I want to remind everybody, but this definition of that we're currently defining guns has really only been around for about 10 years. If you look at the whole movement of the court system, maybe 18 to 20 years. That is to say from my seat, 
there is room to talk about regulations of this manufactured device. There's room to talk about registration. There's room to talk about restrictions. There's room to talk about America's unique relationship with these weapons. So let's talk about regulations, because when you talk to Republicans, oftentimes they're saying, you know, the Constitution doesn't say there needs to be regulations because people will say, well, you need a driver's license to drive. And they say, well, you know, that's not something protected in the Constitution. Is there, in your mind, room for regulation where we could dial back what we've done already and maybe make sure that the guns are in the hands of safe people? Or is that impossible because you never know someone's dangerous until they are? Well, that's a great that's a great point. I think regulation is essential. Uh, what I want is regulation that works, though. And oftentimes we don't look at the laws of unintended consequences. We don't play it out. So, for example, today we say no more assault weapons. Those are gone. Does that end mass shootings? No. One of the worst mass shootings in our country was two handguns at Virginia Tech. So anyone who is saying all we have to do is get rid of this tool and they go away, well, what happens when the shootings keep going? We start focusing on the next tool. And then we get rid of that. And then we get, so I just want to be honest that the ultimate destination when you're focusing on the tool of yeah. choice is going to have to be the removal of most guns. I, we have to be honest about that if we're focusing on the tool. My concern is that we, for some reason, live in a society right now that is creating young people, mostly, who want to kill and be killed. And I don't think we've done any real research on this. I don't think we've gotten to the heart. Is it a family problem, problem, mental health? What is it? What is it? I mean, we hear people t today saying video games are the problem, social media is the problem. How are we going to really stop this problem unless we understand what caused it? We just saw in Orange County a guy with a knife killed four people on a rampage. So I, I want regulations. But if we're going to propose a regulation in the name of a back in the name of a mass shooting, we ought to be able to say, okay, this would have stopped 80% of the mass shootings, or this would have reduced uh, the number of casualties by this number. It's hard to make those. We see so many people kind of, you know, saying, well, we should do this or we should do that, and then you say, well, which. Which shooting so would that have stopped? There's a couple components to that a little bit. And I want to say it's a traditional argument on the, the side of the pro-gun to say, hey, you, you have to show complete causal effect. So one of the things is that's never how regulations have worked mm -hmm. in America. So exempting from the standard protocols of regulations is to hold it sacrosanct. So to that I say, you know, I took my dog to the vet this morning, which yeah. I really did because I realized I have fur all over <laughs> my black pants. So, you know, I, I, have to, I have to register them with the county. Sure. Do you know how stupid I think it is that I have to tell you my pet Lulu is mm -hmm. with me. So here's what regulations are to Americans. They're, they're inconveniences and they can and, and they can be major inconveniences. When the consequences of gun violence are so high to say that we won't be con inconvenienced by a registration or I, I, it's not yeah. by a background check by regulatory notions by being able to restrict it. If we look at smoking as an example of a health effect we, we restrict access. You, you can get it. If yeah. you qualify, you can get it. But when you locked it up, you put yeah. it behind the counter, you made things happen, smoking went down. Now, what was key about smoking? That's what Jay is saying. It only worked when it was coupled with education and, more importantly, statistics. One of the mm -hmm. things I think I hope we can take as a bipartisan measure, but I've been disappointed to not hear about it this week, is the D CDC is incredibly underfunded mm -hmm. with um, 
with uh, funds that will just dig a little deeper into what are causal and what are not. And the challenge with guns right now is special interest has a lot of statistics. And I believe these numbers and someone else believes these numbers. So one of the first things I hope we do is fund the CDC to start looking at some really database solutions that we have at our disposal. Are there regulations that you look at and you say, okay, if I were in Congress or if I could vote on something, is there something that you would feel comfortable saying, this is something that I think voters on the right or the left or could get behind or maybe I mean it's going to take both sides to get yeah. behind change so what would that change well first be? of all let me say I believe that if we continue to do nothing and just stand on our right to bear arms and I'm a concealed carry owner I'm, I'm a proud uh, supporter of the are second amendment are you carrying amendment. on set here should I, I know I, about this I will not confirm yeah. or deny okay. he cannot um, confirm um, or deny but I believe that if we continue to do nothing and we don't lead with ideas and things that we're willing to do, yeah. eventually the tide will turn. And in a representative government where we're all allowed to vote, eventually the tide will turn against gun ownership. Mm-hmm. So I believe it's my responsibility as a gun owner to identify those solutions and to act on behalf of them. But the first question I'm always going to ask is which shooting would that have stopped? Which, okay, you want more background checks. Every single one of these mass shooters, or the vast majority, they passed. But the how you make check. societal change is exactly not legislating by event. So I would tell you that I disagree with that approach. Legislating by event is what drives me crazy with legislators. Why do we have this on the book? Well, because my neighbor had a guy who you legislate by societal norms and you legislate through data driven processes. When you legislate by event, you end up having boutique laws that have ineffective restrictions and you don't have holistic choices. What I want is laws that work. Absolutely. And it's not unfair absolutely. to ask, how will this work? But and, absolutely. Uh, and, and on top of that, when you're telling a law-abiding citizen, you're now going to have to go through greater steps, I need to be able to explain to them how this will have an impact. So back to your question, this last year during the entire legislative session on our show, we featured red flag legislation. We had town halls on it. We did shows up at the up at the Capitol. And red flag has been brought up again this week. Yes. 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 And by the way, I sat down with the NRA in Washington, D.C. four weeks ago and I sat across the table from them and I said, how do you feel about red flag legislation. Now, if people don't know, red flags would allow a judge or family members to make an appeal. Will they stop every shooting? No, because a lot of these mass shooters, there's no warning signs, and that's what makes it so difficult. But I think even with gun crime in itself and domestic violence, red flag laws are something, and I'm so glad to hear a national debate about it, because I caught a lot of flack from my side of the aisle over the last six months, because I said, we sure. got to have ideas. Yeah. We sure. have to lead out. And, and that's one way to do that. And I'm going to add a statistic into how we view gun violence that will make us all additionally yeah. sad in addition to the mass shootings. One of the other reasons that we have to look holistically is those mass shootings just hurt you so much. Yeah. They're nothing compared to the daily shootings in mm-hmm. America. Mm-hmm. So so we're not looking for silver bullets, if you will, it in this discussion. It is true. Discussion. That's what makes headlines. We yeah. have to absolutely... As Jay is suggesting, we have to look more longitudinal. We have to have better data. We have to I have agree so, much. A, so neutral data yeah. that yes. everyone feels sort of. And and it's not going to be tied in a bow. That's the one thing I think the public needs to accept. Is the other thing I'm going to challenge the public mm-hmm. with is there is one key in America to make systemic change, 
and it is to stay at it. Those who show up do change the rules. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things we're, ha we're seeing is these things happen, we all feel them, and you have one or two courses. You either go back to your life, or and sometimes they hurt so much you almost want to retreat from it. Yeah. What I would say to America is, um, if we stay at headlines, it doesn't work. That's what Jay's saying. And if we don't continue to unpack this conversation and really be honest with each other, what we know is no one wants this to happen. That's we right. know yeah. that. I, I, yeah, I think there's a fear of finding out the truth, yeah. honestly. Right. It, Whatever that may be. Yeah. That's right. right. Whatever it, that yeah. may be. I think it's yeah. a multifaceted issue. And because I was sort of unattached to the news this week being gone, I did read a story that one of the moms, one of the shooters in these cases, said that she had called police a week prior and said that she was concerned about herself and the weapon and maybe shouldn't have it. And the problem is, is we live in the United States of America where it's not against the law to have somebody concerned about innocent, you. And so, until proven yeah, guilty. so when can you yeah. step in? And I guess that's where we have to go as a society, you know, taking mental health, taking, taking all of these factors into um, account because I think this isn't just a one-faceted issue. One thing that is an issue when we look at uh, any kind of new legislation, whether it's on a local level or national level, the NRA funds campaigns, and I saw some numbers this week of who is getting funded by who and how much money, and the question is, can you actually go to a congressional member and have them vote their conscience or vote their heart or vote the people who elected them to office when there's so much cash there? Do we need to be worried about money coming from the NRA? You've talked about meeting with the NRA. Mm -hmm. Uh, do you feel beholden to them if you were to go vote because you've met with them and their issues and you're a gun owner yourself? Or can you separate yourself from that money and That's say... great question. Because I, money talks. It, it does talk. Um, I'm getting into Congress based upon what my heart feels and what I feel is right. And I want real solutions. So when I went to the NRA, I went to tell them what I thought and to find out what they thought of my ideas. But you also have to remember, people will vilify the NRA. The NRA is backed by real people who are gun owners, who have a, yeah. a belief system. So what I hate is when you when we discount what is being said. If, if, a, if one of our elected officials is willing to come out and say, this is why I believe in the right to bear arms, what we'll do is we'll skip past that what they actually said, and we'll say, oh, you're paid for by the NRA. And this is a tactic that drives me out of my mind. If they're willing to come out and fight in the arena of ideas and say, this is what I believe, if we're discounting it because of that donation, I don't think we're in the right place. I don't think we're ever going to get anywhere if we're talking past each other to who's donating to who and who's yeah. supporting who. It's impossible to know. But, you know, with the, the way super PACs work and the way money works in our politics, uh, there's unlimited funds out so there. So the NRA is the single most effective special interest group that America has seen. And it started its charge at a state level in the 70s. And, and you can either take that as, as an applause or an indictment, mm -hmm. but they are highly sophisticated. And they do give their candidates a lot yeah. of support. And they do give their candidates a lay of up. But I want to take a, a left-hand turn and sort of disagree with those who say that money is it. So let me tell you what the truth of it is. It's not the amount you give to a candidate. Yeah. It's the fact that there's no one holding that candidate accountable to whatever donation it is, whether it was NRA or not. So whether whether Jay or other candidates get a buck or 50000 if he doesn't hear people saying, 
you know what, I looked at your records. Because the one thing, we can find all these contributions online. And if you don't like who that is, I'd first give the candidate a chance yep. to, to explain where their position is. Because just a donation is not their position. That's unfair. A yeah. donation isn't. Agreed. But I will say, if that candidate uh, won't own that position, and I, if you want the NRA to not have the effect, don't worry about the money they're contributing. Worry about saying to candidates, I'm looking at that. It's a criteria for yep. me. And and this is a criteria, and if you take money, it's going to affect me. He can persuade you or not, but if you want to counter, don't worry about the fact that you're not the chair of a multi-million dollar pack. In fact, go to candidates and say, one of the things I'm looking for is if you take money from the NRA, or or whoever. I don't, yeah. I mean, in this There's instance, a million different because places. Because public yeah. opinion for a candidate can counter money. No, I agree, and that's one of the reasons why I got involved. That's right. Because I believe that I can compete in the arena of ideas. I'm not interested in somebody else fighting my battles for me. But we also tend to vilify these organizations. I didn't know the NRA supported red flag legislation. Did you? I did. I sat down with them, and they said, here's I the did. bill. They supported bump stock, too, and I'm totally here's, suspicious. Here, I'm trying <laughs> to be nice. Bob comes from a house where she has a chief of police. I, I, so I come from a house. <laughs> I, I've worked in the area of gun violence prevention. Yeah. I am. But so the whole time, the whole time I was doing the NRA, not the NRA, but the, right. the red flag legislation, you didn't I don't know, know how, how they <laughs> would be supporting me or Fair. not, but I didn't care That's right. because I did the math, I did the research, I looked at the issue and I supported the law that was going through the legislature. Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't pass, but we raised a lot of awareness. We have to start, like you talked about, changing society, changing hearts and minds. And education, I think, is so key because I think a lot of times people vote and then they wait for the next election to come and they just kind of listen to the headlines. You can look and see where every time the person you voted for or didn't vote for, how they vote, where yes. they vote. And I think our town halls that sort of disappeared for a couple of years are back again, and I'm happy to see that. Chris Stewart um, just held a town hall, and I think that he probably got an earful from what I'm reading um, he had a shouting match at this town hall where people were asking him if uh, President Trump should shoulder the blame for part of these shootings. And I think that's a tough question to ask because he obviously uh, says some things that I think make us cringe as humans sometimes. Is he a part of the problem? Should he shoulder the blame? And should someone who supports the president and doesn't say you're wrong, whether it's Congressman Stewart or Bishop or Romney or whoever it is, should they be partially responsible for this? That's a tough question. He is part of the conversation. His yeah. opinion matter and words matter. To say that they're causal is, is a, a political grandstand. Yeah. Um, but to say that they don't have an input is also entirely wrong. That's what influencers are. Yeah. That's what titles are. That's why Jay is going to make the sacrifices he needs to make to get into Congress. It matters. So when you're an elected official, you get into a different group and you hold the public trust. And Trump is not honoring that public trust. Words mean things differently to him than certainly they do to me. And I'm going to hold him accountable for that. To make a causal relation to things on anyone's behalf is unfair. Yeah. Uh, I do think to defend him feels also like political gamesmanship, though, in Congressman Stewart's point. So I would tell him to instead take the high road. Now, a shout-out to Congressman Stewart for having those town halls. I hope he continues. Having the and I will yeah. always encourage you, Tons. I love a little raucousness. I feel like we've become too Midwestern. I've, I've enjoyed a little bit of our passive-aggressive. I feel like we're too much now. So I like a little ruckus because it means we are passionate.
And conflict does not have to be negative. And, and you know, they handled that reasonably well. I think it was unexpectedly yeah. rowdy. But I don't want to look at that and say, if it's rowdy, it's bad. I want to say, is it orderly? Is it respectful? I'm not encouraging disrespect. Conversation but is But I'm good. saying, Utahns, don't be afraid to get a little passionate. Is President Trump partially responsible? Or can you only put the responsibility on the person who pulls the trigger and carries out a heinous act? I think it was said perfectly. You can't say it's causal. But I believe words mean things. And I believe if we're not willing to hold our own accountable, we will never get better. We, we're in this situation where we are so readily able to criticize the other side and just rip them apart. But then when our side does something, we defend it. That, to me, is a recipe for yeah. this country going in one direction and only one direction. I grew up thinking the way you protect your organization is you hold everybody in it to a higher standard. And what happened to that? The fact that we can even have a conversation and reasonably ask a question, is he somehow in that equation? That frightens me. We should be able to look at our leaders and say, no way on God's green earth would we be able to draw a link between what our leaders say and what a mass shooter does. Because we're better than that. We hold ourselves to a higher standard than that. The fact that we're even close in that conversation is, is, is outrageous to me. It's scary to me. And we're losing our humanity in these partisan debates. And, uh, you know, I like a little ruckus, but I like order. And to me, a town hall where everybody's shouting at each other is not anything that's going to help anything anywhere. We have to be willing to talk to each other. And if all we can do is just shout at each other, to me, that's the end of a Republican form of government. That's, you know, we yeah. have to be able to agree to disagree yeah. or we're in trouble. Yeah, and that's the problem I think where social media feeds into this, whether it's the gun debate or something else. But every time I look at Twitter or something else after a shooting like this happens, it's just like these 140 characters or 280 characters of hate in both directions and we're not solving problems. So I hope the conversation continues and doesn't drop off and then pick back up again when this happens again. I hate to say it, but it will happen again. It and will. the conversation needs to keep going because it's not something that's going away. But I do believe there's far more good in the world than bad. And together we can figure out how to solve this. So I'm glad we're talking about it. We have to talk about a couple other things that I think are important. Municipal elections. They're not sexy, people. <laughs> what are those? I, I don't know. even know. They're not sexy, but we have an election day, which is weird because it's like, next Tuesday, and it's a few days before we're sending our kids back to school, so we're getting our last ice cream cones and swimming and stuff in, but it is important to vote. I want to give you the numbers right now, only from Salt Lake County. I didn't have time to make calls everywhere, but the Salt Lake City mayoral race is something that I think affects not people just in Salt Lake City, but your uh, Salt Lake City affects the entire state, so the capital city matters. So right now, 20,544 ballots have been counted. That is about 22%. That includes not those that have been dropped off today. So I would encourage people to get out there and vote. I know that you were involved in this mayoral campaign. It matters, and it doesn't... It shouldn't be just left to people's friends to get out there. You really want your yeah. neighbors and the whole community to So get let's out. talk about how few people okay. are voting right now. Yeah. So I'm going to give a shout-out to say, let's say it's not low turnout rate. Let's say it's slow turnout rate. Slow out. I like okay, that. Okay, let's, let's just say I have a wishful few more thinking. days. To, yeah, yeah. It's totally wishful yeah. thinking. But just to tell you sort of where we thought this election would yeah. be. If you look at a year ago, year and a half ago, we were penning out the numbers. We took the highest uh, turnout in, in a primary municipal, right? So we're okay. in the same place. And we looked and said, wow, 
there's going to be at least four candidates, maybe more. You know, we're a year out, and wow, these candidates are credible. There's, you know, they're going to have a good discussion. Yeah. They're going to have the means to communicate. We pegged the turnout slightly above average, which was 33%. Okay. Okay, so look at right now. I mean, we're 11% under that mark, yeah. and we only have the weekend left to go or, you know, a little bit more. And so we were, we were talking about this earlier. Municipal elections are... They matter. They matter. They, they're the stuff you care about. They are your daily life. They're your curb. They're your gutter. They're your parks. They're your trails. They're your air shed. They're business. They're permits. They're all the annoyances. They're, they are so meaningful. Your everyday um, life. And people are going to say, hey, I don't know where to get to information. I don't know what to do. Every single one of these candidates has a good website. Every single one of these candidates will take your phone call right now. I guarantee it. So why don't you exercise a muscle you haven't ever call them? They love yeah. you. They love you. But these these will matter, and it looks like it's going to be epically low. I'm hoping it is not. I I personally, even we have these mail-in ballots. There's something about dropping it off in person. I like I to drop it on election day. So maybe they're just waiting for that to come. But these elections matter. I know that we're talking about legislation that happens in Congress and things, but it really does matter what happens in your neighborhood. That's usually what makes us mad, right? When somebody's leaving their car in the front or flooding happens and then it was the city's fault. Yeah, well, and I, as a conservative, I believe in smaller federal government because I think we can always do it better on a local level. Yeah. But then when you say who's getting involved on a local level, maybe I have to rethink what I'm saying. I think part of the problem is that, like you talked about, I think that local government is a little bit more complicated. We don't, it's not easy to to parse it into right and left. It's yeah. not easy to put into a soundbite. It doesn't just come into your Facebook and you can click yes or no. It does require a little bit more effort if you're going to be involved. It doesn't get the coverage. They don't have the budgets to spend. We yeah. don't see commercials about it. I've seen maybe two billboards the whole time. So it really requires effort. And unfortunately, we're seeing that when it requires some level of effort yeah. on the part of the voter. But if you're disenfranchised, if you're somebody who says my vote doesn't matter, oh, yeah. vote it on matters. Tuesday. It will matter so much. I know yeah. your one vote can rock the vote I in a municipal with this election. I guarantee yeah. you between this second and third place, right, this is to get into a general, so two, yes. two are going to pop out. I guarantee you will be in the handfuls between winners and losers. So. Which means you matter. You always matter, yes. but definitely matter in these municipal elections. So please get out and vote. All the information online, you can just go, just Google your election, and you'll get all the information. So turn in your ballots. Utah County, I feel like you struggle bust last time, <laughs> but you can do it. You can just take that ballot you got in the mail and mail it in. You can march it down to your library or your elected official's office and get it turned in. It's so easy. You can do this. Utah County, you're smart. That wasn't nice of me at all, was it? <laughs> all right, this is sexy. Um, everybody's talking this week about uh, Ambassador Governor uh, John Huntsman leaving and coming back. He'll have served two years in Russia, which seems like the hardest job on the planet right now, keeping peace there. Coming back to Utah, and there's a possibility that he may be running for office. Is this a good thing if he gets back in? He left as governor to go be an ambassador. He's coming back. Is this a good idea, or do we need new, fresh blood here in Utah? I, I never play in the game of what we need new, fresh, or this or that. To me, it's about who's doing what, what are their ideas, yeah. and, and what do they bring. Uh, Huntsman coming into this race, I think people underestimate that how much a state relies on connections outside of that state. Absolutely. And even international 
connections. You talk about about Utah and the business that is happening in Utah and his ability to affect that. I, I don't think anybody should count him out for sure. What did he leave with, like an 80% approval rating? Yeah. Um, I think he's pulling even with, with Spencer Cox right now. Um, but I'll tell you this. I love as many people in as possible. More I is more, for I sure. I don't lament it at all. Let's get more ideas. Let's make people feel that they can get involved as well. Put 20 up there. Do like the Democrats are That's doing. Right. Absolutely. And let the people whittle them down. Let me give you the numbers because the Salt Lake Chamber had a poll. So if the election were held right now for governor, 41% of Republican voters would vote for Spencer Cox. And he's making an unprecedented step to stopping every city and town in Utah. He's at 104 out of 248 last time I checked. And... Uh, John Huntsman pulling at 26%, that is if he were to run. And former Utah House Speaker Greg Hughes, who hangs out with us on a regular basis. Uh, he has not officially put his hat into the ring, but at 6% right now, a lot of lot can change. But what I thought was interesting is in a head-to-head -head, um, race, when you have Republicans and Democrats in Utah, uh, John Huntsman actually pulls ahead 43% to Cox's 37%. I think he bridges a gap with Democrats and Republicans with a kind of a middle ground that people like. Do you hear that and see that? Completely. I mean, he he is formidable in a general election. So his test will certainly be the first step in this, which is the Republican primary. But he, and if he gets in, I mean, yeah. I'll give him an if he gets in. Um, but he he's a game changer, uh, and his name recognition is is just 100 percent. And I mean, that is that is so much a part of the battle. I don't think it's going to be quite the coronation. He's got to answer some different questions that he never has had to answer Absolutely. before about about leaving the first time and what he and he has a record and and you may love his record or hate a record. But you'd identified really well the advantage he has if he can figure out a way to get out of the primary. He's formidable in a general because I think he's really appealing to unaffiliateds and Democrats. Absolutely, I agree with that. And uh, with Rob Bishop last week saying that he was not going to be running again, I think there's a possibility he could be in the race and many other names. So it's going to be I a good think time. It'll be exciting. I love having options. Options is a mm -hmm. good thing. So absolutely exciting going on here in Utah, and of course the will not be another boring week because there's always good weeks to talk about here. So thank you so much for being thank here, you. both of you, and for thank being a part the of the conversation. If you like what you hear here, tell your friends, subscribe, and we keep being here every Friday. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great weekend.